You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, the host of the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. And what we do on the podcast is we talk to disruptive companies in the outdoor industry, talk about innovative hunting solutions that are changing the landscape, as well as offer you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. All in all, I just want to help you become a better hunter by providing you with high-quality knowledge and information that you can trust. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? I hope you podcast listeners are doing great. Uh, I'm just sitting here with a a cup of coffee. My wife is out watching uh, The Bachelor right now, so this gives me some great time to record a podcast episode. I'm going to be doing a little bit of a solo episode this time, talking about a recent hunt from early December that me and a buddy Jake Gaylord ended up going on. We ended up going on an antelope hunt in <coughs> in and near and around Boise City, Oklahoma. Uh, it's uh, For most of you guys or some of you that are listening in Oklahoma, you might not even know that we have antelope in Oklahoma, but we in fact do. Uh, most of them, or actually all of them, live out in out of us about as far west as you can go in Oklahoma, out in the Panhandle. One of the only cities out there is Boise City. It's about 20 miles from New Mexico, and I think about 20 miles north is uh, Kansas and also Colorado. So all those states kind of meet out there. Uh, Really cool landscape. Very much really different from a lot of parts of Oklahoma uh, that have a good amount of trees or rolling hills. This is just flat. If you ever think about driving five miles deep into a pasture and still just seeing pasture for another five miles, that's about what this looks like. So, <clears throat> just to context a little bit, gosh, so sorry for all the coughing. Got some in my throat, but just to context a little bit, Jake and I had been out to this place in Boise City a year before, um, the year before in October. What was really interesting about the last time we went is we were both headed or thinking about heading to Colorado to do an over-the-counter elk hunt. We were wanting to do it in October, either the second or the third rifle season. But what ended up happening with a bunch of broke college students was neither of us really saved for the trip. <laughs> so we kind of, we kind of about halfway or about a, a few weeks before <clears throat> we were planning on leaving, we both kind of walked up to each other and we're like, hey, I don't really have the money to go on this trip, what do we do? Because we were already planning on taking off of school, already told all our professors and stuff. Keep in mind, this is last year. A lot has changed. But we, I was looking on Facebook. I was looking on Book Your Hunt. I was looking on uh, just a bunch of different websites looking for cheap guided hunts. I came across a hunt on Facebook that was 750 bucks. It was spot and stock antelope for five days. There was lodging included, and I realized it was in... Boise City, Oklahoma. And so I was like, man, this is a great deal. And he sent us a bunch of videos of a lot of herds running around, um, a lot of them at water holes, some previous Boone and Crockett antelope that they had harvested out there. So we were really excited about going. We ended up packing up, going. Uh, We got out there, I think it was about a five-hour drive from uh, Stillwater where we were. And we got out there, we started staying, uh, we stayed in this little uh, old ranch house. It was kind of creepy to be honest. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a bad house. It was a nice house, but the weird part about it was it was all dusty and it looked like just no one had been in it and there was like old mattresses in there. So 
that was kind of weird and it was about two miles off of the road and I don't know if you guys are from or grew up kind of how I did but houses don't sit very far off the road you know a long driveway is a couple hundred yards this was two miles back in the middle of nowhere so that already creeped us out and we got good footage of it just in case uh, a ghost came back and took our lives or someone killed us out on the ranch hopefully they would find our camera but anyways this is the first time we've been out there we're going out uh, we, we, I don't have any Western style glass. I, I really didn't grow up using binoculars at all. My dad always did, and I thought it was kind of weird. We grew up where, you know, a long shot is like 200 yards. So neither of us brought glass on the first part of this hunt or the first time we had been out to this particular property. It's about 40,000 acres and a lot of different pastures and parcels, but it's it equates to about 40,000 acres so we were out there and you kind of really need big boy glass when you're out in that part of the state or really just as you start to head to the western part of the country really need good glass so I had an old pair of loophole binoculars I think they were 10 by 42s one of the eye cups was missing they were really kind of piece of crap binos um so I was using those, <laughs> and Jake, if anybody knows Jake Gaylord, you know how cheap he is, and <laughs> he didn't even have a pair of binos, he was using his rangefinder, he was using his rangefinder to try to spot antelope, and this is a little different than our particular strategy that we're using uh, the first couple of days of the hunt, we were trying to hunt water holes, and it had been 90 plus degrees the whole week before we went, but right before we went it started raining and when you're hunting these water holes there's not that many of them scattered throughout these huge properties so that it kind of congregates the antelope they'll come and water at those holes a lot of times in the hottest parts of the day in the middle parts of the day and so we tried that for a couple days um that didn't work so the strategy now after sitting there at these watering holes all day and it being cold and us realizing hey i don't think this is a great idea because these antelope will just drink out of they'll just drink out of puddles when when it rains you know so there's no no way of congregating them you know you'll be hunting the water hole and look 200 yards back and a dude is drinking out of a puddle and when you're bow hunting that's a that's a big deal not so much when you're rifle hunting but when you're bow hunting big big problem so that didn't work um, what we proceeded to do this first time we went out there, uh, we had bought a pop-up decoy, um, and it was just a 2D decoy, you know, looks like a, a cheap painting, and so we started to try to spot and stock with those, and we actually ended up having pretty decent luck with that. We snuck in a couple ravines, um, popped up on some antelope, we popped up on a couple at 150 yards, flashed them. I think a, a part of our flawed strategy this time was we got to the antelope and we waited till they would see us to pop the decoy up. And that was a real issue because when they're already spotted, it's not like the decoy was already up and that's the first thing they saw. Like they saw you moving in the grass and then you tried to like overcorrect with the decoy and that didn't work well for us. I mean the antelope a couple times we had one group um, of a really nice buck, probably Pope and young quality buck out at uh, 150 yards, we popped the decoy. He has seven does with him, and they run into like 80. Now, I didn't have a single pin sight or even an adjustable sight at this point. Um, so my max was 50 yards, and I just got that. My bow had blown up on me a week before we went. 
So I had a new bow and I wasn't really comfortable with it and I wasn't really even comfortable at the 50 and that was a fatal mistake because Jake also only had a 50 yard pin. So <sighs> that, uh, we kind of just sat there hope or helplessly, um, as they just sat at 80 yards and kind of stared cause they're one thing to note about antelope is they're very curious creatures. Um, like you, you see some people in antelope hunting videos wearing those little half hats that kind of have an antelope face on the top and they'll have horns and they'll kind of just, if a guy moves in, in a way that an antelope would, sometimes they're so curious that they'll run up um, and just try to check out and see what it is. Now, this was post-rut, so obviously the bucks aren't um, trying to fight and that kind of takes away a little bit of the allure of them wanting to come and look. But, uh, you know, anyways, they, they did. We had that happen and then we had another buck um, that they called the heart buck on the ranch. He was, I think he was the biggest antelope they had seen on the ranch, at least um, from what all the ranch hands said. And uh, he, I think he was close to a Boone and Crockett. I mean, I think he was 16, they said he, 16 or 17 inch hooks. And he was just a beauty. I mean, antelope, they kind of curved in the middle and almost touched. Um, so he's a really, really unique buck. But um, it was Jake's turn up to shoot. We were switching every time uh, we got an encounter. If it was, uh, you know, under 150 yards, it counted as an encounter, and he switched to the other guy. So we tried to, we got into about 300 yards on that heart buck. And, you know, a lot of times when you're in this open country of, you know, it might be another mile over to get over the next bump that you could drive the four-wheeler around and pop back up on the other side, sometimes you got to play with what you got. So we were sitting there this time, and uh, the antelope started wandering off the other direction, and he got to about 300 yards, and we're like, let's try to, you know, crawl in on him. So we got, we crawled in on him, and there's a lot of yucca, and it's just only, you know, six inches off the ground. So stealth, being stealthy in that kind of an environment is really tough. So eventually we got in about 300 yards, and we popped the decoy up after he sees us, of course, and he just comes sprinting at us. And... I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Like, I got the camera, and I'm holding the camera and the decoy, and Jake's sitting there. I'm like, Jake's about to shoot a buck, and we literally decoyed it from 300 yards. It runs into 150 and just sits there and stares. And I mean, this is just a beautiful antelope. And neither of us had done any kind of spot stock hunting in the past, so uh, it was just really cool. And he sat there at 150 for a little bit and just watched, and it was just, it's so tempting and so um really frustrating because you know that's a chip shot with a rifle but when they're out at 150 yards of the bow not much you can do you know even out at 80 yards I wouldn't consider myself proficient in 80 right now but um gosh dang that's a launchable range but 150 there's just absolutely no way so we had spent a little bit of time uh, after we blew that one uh, we'd spend a little bit of time and locating, trying to locate other antelope. Obviously, we didn't have a lot, of, <laughs> a lot. We didn't have any glass um, or any quality glass either, and only one of our, uh, one of us had glass to begin with. So we went around looking at the ranch. I didn't find much for the next couple days. It was really rainy and groggy and uh, really foggy. We actually got uh, completely lost in a fog and ended up driving around almost all four borders of the ranch before finding the main road and coming back. And that was, that was 15 or 20 miles. I mean, this ranch is absolutely insane how big it is, but, um, three or four miles to the first gate back there. So that just gives you a little bit of perspective on how big this ranch is. Um, but 
So we did that, and that ended up being most of the first time that we went out to to Boise City. Um, stayed at the ranch house, hunted out there, bow hunted. Man, we just knew that if we could have a rifle out here, or you know, if we could get a couple doe tags or a buck tag, or you know, we we knew we could make it happen out there. And that's kind of where this second trip starts. The one that we did this December. I uh, reached back out to the guy that we had went with last time. It wasn't a guided hunt. It was a semi-guided hunt. That means he just kind of points you in the right direction and says, have fun. And so that happened. And this time, I reached back out to him again. I said, hey, man, um, I know you guys are doing a landowner system. Because so how, just to give a little context into the how to hunt antelope in Oklahoma, it's like a draw system for the most part. You know, you have to draw a buck tag because there's really not that many antelope in the panhandle to begin with. And... You kind of find them bunched up out there, but so you usually have to draw out for a tag and bow hunting is not that way. You can use your lifetime license to hunt out there, but you usually have to draw out for a tag. So just to put it into context, these people have 40,000 acres and they only drew one buck tag last year. So the likelihood of drawing a buck tag, whether it's a landowner or just a private draw with a rifle is very, very low. So we knew that probably wasn't going to be an option. So when we reached back out to the guy, um, he said, yeah, let me put you in contact with the owner of the ranch. And so he put us in contact with the owner, one of the co-owners. Um, and he was like, yeah, uh, we got one buck tag this year and 11 doe tags. And he said, I don't, I don't have 11 family members that would like to hunt. I would sell you and Jake Gaylord a both one of those landowner tags, and I would guide you out on the ranch. And so we're like, oh my gosh, no way. We're going to get a guided hunt out here. This is going to be really expensive. So he sold us. Um, he sold us the, actually ended up being really cheap. He ended up selling us both two doe tags. So now we here we are going back to Boise City, a place that we, the most unexperienced spot and stock hunters, have had bow range opportunities at antelope out on this ranch and now we have rifles we're like yes checkmate so uh to get out there jake just drove in from stillwater it was a five hour drive i didn't i had wrecked my truck about two weeks two or three weeks before didn't end up getting it back ran over to an expedia or an enterprise rent-a-car and got into the car or finally got the car at 6 p.m they were already closed. I had to I had to call the guy repetitively and ask him to stay for me because I had to make this trip. And I finally got the got the car, got home, got everything packed, and it ended up being about seven thirty before I even get on the road. And I live in Austin, Texas now. I used to live in Venito, Oklahoma. Um, from Venito, it have been about a six and a half hour drive. From Austin, it was an eleven hour drive. No, no, no. No, a nine and a half hour drive. Sorry, not 11. Nine and a half hours. So I get on the road at 730. I start going down uh, Mopac up 183. And there's a wreck on the highway. So I don't move on the highway for about another hour. So basically 830, I leave. And I'm looking at my GPS at this point, And I'm going to get there at 430 in the morning. Well, we're going to meet the guy at the Love's Travel Stop at 7 a.m. So I know it's going to be a hellish drive. I documented all this stuff, and it's going to be coming out in a YouTube video of a few harvests um, or a harvest of an antelope. But 
<clears throat> yeah, stayed up all night, drove th- all the way up through Lubbock, through Amarillo, up into Boise City. And when you're talking about a boring drive, man, these are some boring flat drives. I barely stayed awake for some of it. A lot of comedy, Netflix episodes, and a lot of music, but ended up making it. So we get up that. All right, we finally get to the hotel. Jake's been there for about three or four hours. I pull up, and oh my god, this is the most nasty motel that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, every single wall is painted a different color. I don't know if you guys have ever stayed in a place like that, but I mean, literally every wall was a different color. And uh, the bathroom door barely shut. So you had to kind of put your shoulder into it to shut it and open it because it dragged along the floor. I don't know if the architects or the builders missed that detail or they just don't care for $40 a night. Probably the latter. Um, but that was a horrible hotel. Um, I'm surprised I didn't find a needle under the sheets or something stupid like that. And I was afraid for my rented truck. Um, thank God Jake's truck was a little bit nicer. They might have broken his first. But So we got up that next morning after, I'm not going to call it sleep. I'll probably call it a nap. About an hour and a half nap. And we meet him at the Love's truck stop. And we go out to the first place that we're hunting. And... It's really interesting with a rifle because kind of how he had talked about it is I'm going to drop you guys off and you're going to walk a little ways, you know, walk into these fields and kind of try to spawn stock and maneuver. And if you get within 300 yards, you know, that's probably going to want to going to be one of your better shots. And I'm like, oh, there's no way, you know, but yes, there was a way. So we ended up getting in a few of these fields. Uh, the first field we go into, Jake gets a shot on one, I think 225 yards, uh, shoots it, um, it runs off, walks up, and still alive, so he shoots it again, we got that one, um, the next time, and what's, what's really interesting about the antelope is, I wanted to point this out before I get too far into the podcast episode, is that antelope are completely fine with you seeing them, and them seeing you. And for most of us that grew up whitetail hunting, that's really weird because if you can see a deer and they can see you, you're not going to be seeing them very long. They just don't feel comfortable um, having eyes on them or being spotted or whatever it may be. But antelope are extremely comfortable with this. I don't know if it's because they they know that they can outrun whatever gets up close to them or um, they're used to cars or ranch ranch hands driving around or whatever it is, or they're just happy to live in one of those flat environments where nothing could sneak up on them. But they're completely comfortable with it. Like, they kind of have a bubble almost that when you walk up to them, you can get to about 300 yards before they'll even, like, recognize you. Like, before they'll even acknowledge that you're walking up in their space. And so we get to about... What would it be? Yeah, about 300 yards. And that's when they start to acknowledge, like, hey, something is coming over this way. You know, 250, they start to, you know, the ones that are bedded down start to stand up and kind of mingle within themselves. And you get to about 225, and they're starting to run. Well, Jay got a shot off on that first one. Um, like I said, got one. He, he got one and finished it off. So that was our first antelope walking up. They have really frisky hair, like, it's really weird because you can walk up and grab the hair and it just pulls out. I don't know why that is, um, but it was really interesting that that was does doe antelope actually have horns? Um, not like the buck horns that are 
have good mass and curve up, but just these little bitty horns, like almost a spike, like white tail, but, um, but they kind of curve back and they're really soft, like, cause they're just a cap on like a little, I don't know if it's bone or whatever it is, but it's like a little cap. It, like you can move it back, back and forth side to side. And it may have been because we were late in the year and they were going to shed or something. I, I have absolutely no idea, but I thought that was really interesting on, uh, on the horns. But to give you some context into the size of an antelope, because I wasn't exactly sure how big they were going to be up close. And I would compare a doe antelope very much closely to the size of like a nice fawn, uh, whitetail. So like a, you know, 75, 80, maybe a, yeah, yearling doe, just one of those does that you're not exactly sure if it's a fawn when you first see it, but you ended up, it ends up being one. And then I would say a buck is even a little bit smaller than a mature doe comparatively. So like a buck is going to be a little bit smaller than a whitetail doe, which is weird because they're a buck and they should be bigger, but they're just not. But we got that first harvest out of the way. We're really excited. And that kind of set the mood or the tone for the day that we knew that we were going to do pretty well. And because uh, Jake and I said, even even without the owner of the ranch, we, we think we could get four in a single day. And uh, I think that would have held to be true, but we're never going to find out because we actually had someone legitimately guiding. And someone knew that had more permission and, and knew more parts of the ranch than we did. So that was really helpful. But the second harvest was absolutely crazy. Um, we were hunting, and so we got these. He, the guy drops us off, and we have we we walk, we stock up, and we got this first shot on this group. And they're re- being really kind of antsy. Some groups are different than others. Some are completely okay with you walking up on them. Some are completely not. Um, obviously, we're not just standing up and walking towards them. We're trying to be stealthy about this. But when the grass is you know six to eight inches tall, there's only so much stealth you can do besides absolutely belly crawling all over the place. So this first group would get up and Jake and I get set. And of course we like to do everything redneck and not bring the red equipment. And this guy's like, Hey, camel your guns, you know, bring your, bring your bipod for your gun, bring, bring your shooting sticks, all that stuff. And <laughs> we pull up and he's like, do you bring your bipods and your shooting sticks? And Jake is like, I brought my backpack and he's like, did you bring anything? And I'm like, I'll shoot off my knee. And I think that kind of made him a little upset, but it was really funny because we definitely should have. I didn't realize how hard it was to shoot at 300 yards in an antelope, but it, it actually is. And I didn't realize how poor optics I actually had on my gun. I had a 10 power scope, but it was also a $40 scope from Walmart. So when you don't do this long range shooting, you don't realize that the ballistics on your gun are so far off at 300 yards. I actually went in and calculated in an app called bullet drop. And I had about a, about 14 inches of drop at 300 yards. So I'm sitting here, sitting here aiming (coughs) at the above their back, you know, four inches above their back. And you know, that's also relative to, I think about four inches above their back, but I'm not really sure. So I sit down and get on my knee and Jake kind of gets on his bag and we're like three, two, and when they're starting to move and get antsy, it's really tough because you're in the scope, and there's so many of them, and, and does have horns. Like, does have horns just like bucks do. Obviously not as big, but this is the part of the year 
where there's there's some juvie bucks, uh, there's some young bucks, there's some bucks that have actually shed. So you're being trying to be really careful when you have these limited time frames of shooting that you're not going to shoot a buck, but you also want to shoot on key with the other person because this is only, you know, you want to get two for, and you don't want just one guy missing because obviously we both only have 10 power scopes. We're not doing very well. We're not setting ourselves up for success right out of the bat. So we're like three, two, one, boom, and we shoot and just nothing. And we're like, gosh dang it, what the heck? And they just take off. So we work all the way around. He picks us up and we work all the way around. And we, we they didn't make it um, super far and he drops us back off. And we get back out again and we're stalking again. And we, we know there was a certain ridge and we kind of walk up and pop up right on top of them this next time. And they just take off. And so what was good about it is we had worked past them. And when they were scared from one direction, we knew that if if they get spooked, they'll probably keep running. They probably won't run back to where the fear came from the first time. So they ran the, the opposite direction, the perfect direction, kind of how we had cut them off. So they run right by us. And they know exactly, they know that we're not going to be able to catch them. You know, so they're completely okay with running close to you. Well, they're running at like 30 or 40 miles an hour, and I've got my scope zoomed down to three or four power, and so, and, and I've shot, I've done a few deer drives, ashamedly, in Oklahoma before, just at the end of the season, and shot some does, so like, I know where to aim on an animal on the run, and so, I'm, I'm trying to pick out the last one in this group, because I don't want to shoot into a group of them, I don't think that's super ethical, but, so I'm picking out the last one in this group, and I'm, I think Jake's shooting at the first one in this group at as we're um, as we're doing this. We didn't communicate about that, but they're running by us at like 60 yards at like full fledge, and I think there's like 15 in this group. And so I'm on the back one and I'm leading it, and it's kind of separated from the group a little bit, so I don't have to put it on another one to shoot the back one. I'm aiming about where it's the tip of its nose is, so a foot or two in front of it, maybe even more. And and don't judge me for saying 30 or 40 miles an hour. I'm not completely sure. They were just running extremely fast. And uh, so I popped the first shot off. And, and keep in mind that I haven't sh- I haven't shot one to this point. Jake's the only one that's got one. So I shoot this first, uh, this first round, and it just folds. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, no way. I literally just got my first antelope. I was so excited about it. All I wanted to do was go up and put my hands on that one. And uh, Jake shoots, and we're like, I'm like, did you get one? And he's, he's like, no, I don't, I don't think I got one. And shortly after, our guide uh, comes over comes over from several hundred yards out in the truck, and he's like, well, did you get one? And uh, we're like, yeah, we got one. And we walk up, and mine's laying there, and about 10 yards past mine, there's another one laying there. And we're shooting 30-06s at these antelope. And which is extreme overkill for an animal that's the size, not even the size of a mature white-tailed doe. But Jake and I are cheap. We don't have multiple rifles sitting at home. I don't even rifle hunt for the most part. I didn't rifle on a single time besides this, this year. And that was just because there was a good opportunity on tag. So Jake and I don't even, we don't even rifle hunt to start out with. So we both got our uh, our rifles. He's got an, uh, you know, a Savage, which is a little bit nicer than mine. I got my Remington 770 plastic trigger, trigger guard, $40 scope, kind of like I've explained in the past. Really crappy, but it was a Christmas gift. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Um, I actually do use it, and it's a decent shooting gun. But anywho, uh, anywho, I got this, uh, 
got this first one down. Jake's got his second one down. And our goal when we had went would be to get this on film. But the way we were navigating and moving throughout this terrain, it was really tough to stop and get the camera up. Because almost one of you guys almost has to sacrifice your shot during that time to get the video of the other one. So we didn't end up doing that. Um, neither of us even tried to video for the first three we got. So at this point, Jake's got one. His first one that we killed in the first field. I got one, the one that I shot on the run, and Jake has one that he shot on the run. These things are just like massacred. Like Art 30 out 6 is hitting him in the shoulder. Um, just looks like someone hit something with like a, a baseball bat, and, and it's just really like uh, really gruesome. Um, I won't go into any more detail, but really gruesome. And uh, we're like, man, we just ruined a couple front shoulders by doing that. But we're really excited about um, really pulling our double, our first antelope double. My first antelope, but Jake and I's first double. And we've done this before on uh, on Whitetail with some does, and that was really exciting. But we got our first double um, with antelope together on the run. with It was really cool. Um, so we stopped there, cleaned them, gutted them, uh, got to sit there and take some pictures and really just kind of lather and enjoy that moment. We took them up to the old ranch house and cleaned them, quartered them out, put them on ice. And at that point we weren't really stressed because we realized it's, Hey, it's 9am and we've already got three antelope. We were planning on hunting Friday morning, Friday evening, and then Saturday morning, if we needed to, originally it was going to be all day Saturday, but the guide had to go back home But on sun, on Saturday evening. But we were going to hunt all those days, and we realized it's 9 a.m. on the first day, we have three antelope. So that immediately took some of the pressure off of, off of the hunt. So like I said, we quartered them out, got them on ice, um, headed back up the drive, and went to, ch- went to check some other places um, for antelope. So we were driving around, you know, really not in any hurry we stopped and got something to eat stopped at a little uh a little hotel that our guide knew the owner from chatted with them for you know 20 or 30 minutes went our merry long way so there was this other place after checking some more fields you know kind of getting the tour of the ranch for a while i think it was about 1 p.m now you know that can give you a good context as to how much time we spent jacking around it was like three or four hours and I'm still like, man, I want to get my other antelope. But he's like, don't worry. This other guy that um, we had permission on has a he has a, uh, a like a water like a pond out here in the middle, back behind his house, a couple hundred yards. And uh, they come in every day at like one, so we're gonna be good. So we drive by that road, and it is the most beautiful like winter wheat that I've ever seen, like. If you want to talk about winter wheat that you can look at for a mile, this is it. Like, you can look at the road and just winter wheat as far as you can see in one direction. So, I look out, and this time I actually have good binos. I've got a good pair of 10 by 42s and so does Jake, and I spot some out there. You know, they're half a mile out there, but the way they move out in these fields, they'll move rather quickly. So, when they're going to water, they're on a mission. They've been eating all morning, running around, and they're thirsty. So... So they're headed in, and we're like, oh my gosh, we got to move quickly. we got to get up by this house. So we pull in the driveway, and what's really good about how this house is set up and where they're watering at a couple hundred yards behind his house is he's got an old garage a ways off from his house back more towards the water hole, and you can kind of use it naturally. 
um, to walk up and kind of get on this ledge that's kind of laying out by this garage, which is like this brick ledge. And you guys will see this in the YouTube video when I drop it. But um, so we kind of walk out and we use this. We go at an angle and use this to our advantage because keep in mind, there's like 150 antelope coming to this watering hole. They don't like they don't move in singles typically. Like you'll see a lot in a single group. So there's 150 coming into this. And I wanted to make sure that I shot a doe. So I, the first one ends up being a doe. And so I was happy about that. Here they come. We have very few, little time to get set up. Obviously, we'd, we'd, we would have had a lot of time regardless because we weren't in any hurry and they were going to water there. But I didn't want the antelope to to kind of pour in and to get several of them lined up in a single shot because you'll see in the YouTube video why and how far my bullet goes and ricochets off the ground after I shoot through one. But the first one gets lined up and this time what's good is I throw the GoPro on my head while walking out to the uh, to this ledge way past this house and uh, Jake has the camera and he's obviously shooting it steady hand. I had to go in post-production and with his hands and I had to go in post-production and restabilize it because it was a little shaky like most footage Jake has but anyways uh, <laughs> and we went out there and uh, so I get my rifle on and we range it it's like 176 yards to the pond and I'm not a sharpshooter I actually busted my in between my eyebrows a few years ago shooting a rifle with a piece of like with the scope that comes with the rifle like that's how cheap this gun is. It come. It's one of the ones that comes with a rifle scope, and it was a POS. I I busted my head up using it, and so I, I kind of have a little bit of trigger. I'm a little shy of triggers, and I don't like shooting guns that much anymore because of that. Because I busted my head like three different times in one season shooting a buck and a coyote with that gun. But anyways, um, I got in on this one, and 176 yards. I zoom in to like eight power and get on her and start to squeeze it off and just boom just it was smooth i hit her right behind the shoulder i hit her right behind the shoulder and uh as she turns to go the other way uh back where all the antelope came from you can just see it spraying i mean she's just spraying out that one side so we knew that was we knew that was going to be a fatal and an ethical shot uh, so i was really happy really happy about that shot and you're not going to hear it in the video uh, i'm not going to upload the audio to the youtube video of this hunt but what was really funny is the guide, the guide talking, he doesn't see, so he's kind of an older guy, he doesn't see that I've hit this first antelope, and so after I shoot this first one, he kind of, he starts to get a little frustrated, he's like, where, get down, he's like, get down, they will stop, like he's, he's yelling this, they will stop, he's, he's telling me that you missed and don't worry because they're going to stop and you're going to get another shot, and we kind of, Jake and I kind of sit there and look at each other for like five to ten seconds, and we and Jake goes, he got her, and he goes, oh okay, and he, he got extremely excited about that. He's like, good job, nice shot then, uh, but he didn't see it, and he was getting he was getting really mad about it for a few minutes, which is really really funny. But um, yeah, we went out there, and she actually she went a long ways for an antelope shot with a thirty out six. She ran about one hundred and fifty yards. But what was really cool about the antelope, just like I said, how they kind of they're kind of fine in their bubble, is after we shot her, some of the other ones like started coming back to the water hole. They ran out a little ways and then came back. Um, but we ended up going out there and just gunning her and and taking her back and cleaning her. But as as we got her in the back of the truck and we we're kind of just driving around, we saw 
the most antelope I've ever seen. I haven't seen a ton. I'm, you know, 150 in a single hunt. The ones that were coming in, that's the most I've ever seen. Well, these antelope that we had shot at went back and joined up with uh, several other groups. And all in all, in one field, as they all congregate, we saw 400. And it was absolutely insane. There's absolutely nothing like it. There was runs, ones running and crossing the road as we're driving by, and there's ones out in the field. I mean, I bet we saw 50 different bucks. And we're, you're talking to someone that was trying to kill a single buck last year and was having a t- very, very tough time having him decoy and just not even seeing a ton of antelope, just seeing a few bucks or some solos and bucks with some does. But we ended up seeing one buck that ran across the road, and, and he was the most unique antelope I'd ever seen because – his horn was pointed down across his face. And if you know anything about antelope, their head, their horns curl back to the back of their head. And this one was in front of his face, almost pointing down. One was like that. And one was straight up. He's just the goofiest dude running through there. But yeah, so, uh, it was all in all, it was an awesome trip by 2 PM on the first day. Jake and I have four antelope loaded in the truck. Um, he's going to end up doing some European mounts on him. There was just, there was such an interesting creature. Um, not something that I would want to go back and harvest again with a rifle just because like I said, um, based on their behavior, they're extremely comfortable with people getting up in their bubble. And I think that makes them, I think that makes them a little susceptible to rifle hunters and maybe that's cool in like Wyoming and, you know, Colorado and places like that where there's a huge abundance of antelope, not a, not a ton in Oklahoma. Um, quite a few but not a ton so i think if i end up going back or jake and i end up going back to that ranch and hunting again i'll definitely want to do it with my bow and i don't and the good thing about if you hunt with your bow is that in october unlike december there's bow tags for bucks and so possibly go back and get a get a bow tag for a buck and man that will be a really really unique experience but uh yeah, guys, that was a that was a really fun hunt that I w- definitely wanted to recap before it got too far um, along in the year, and I forgot the uh, the good details about it. But in, after that, we ended up taking the rest of the day exploring Black Mesa in Oklahoma, the highest point in Oklahoma. If you guys ever get a chance to get out there, right on the border of New Mexico, um, you should definitely check it out. We actually saw some bighorn sheep while we were out there. Um, I guess they're kind of wandering down from Colorado and hanging out down here. They were an awesome spectacle to see. But all in all, if you guys ever get the chance to, if, if, if you want to hunt a different species, you know, something that's not extremely expensive or something that there's not a huge learning curve on, if you're a rifle hunter, this is, this is I would say this is the species to try. I think you're going to be able to get in close enough, um, maybe in one of these more western states for an a fairly insignificant price and I think you'll have very good odds of success. You know, these things don't act like deer. They're not deer. They both eat grass and have horns and I think that's about the only thing they share in common with a whitetail or a mule deer. But I would highly encourage you guys to get out and and try this this western style of hunting. I think that you'll really really enjoy it. But apart from that, um one thing I wanted to promote too is I'm going to start putting out a lot of uh YouTube content. Um like I said, I have the probably 100 times on this podcast I've said I have an antelope hunting video coming out um probably sometime in the next week. I'm just waiting on some footage that that Jake needs to send me over. If he's listening to this, he hasn't sent it and it's been 3 weeks already. But once I get that footage, I will 
was produce that video and put it out on YouTube. The YouTube is Hunter's Advantage Podcast with Christian Babcock. I think we're up to 250 subs at this moment, which is I think is really, really good compared uh, considering that we only have one hunting video on there. And uh, so be looking out for that. Um, if there's anything else that you guys want to hear podcast episodes about, I think I've been pretty good about bringing people on the podcast, and I think that uh, we can really cover absolutely any topic regarding hunting, whether that's new products you want to talk about, or um, certain styles of hunting, or certain species, or things about deer management, or whatever it is you guys want to cover. I think we can definitely do that in, in this form and long form discussion, even to the point where you can send me specific questions. You can go to the, the huntersadvantage.net. Um, go to contact us and you can write a message right there. It automatically populates to my email. If you guys have any questions about the podcast or any guests or anything that you would like covered, I'm really doing this show for you guys. And if there's anything you guys want to hear specifically, would love to tailor the experience more to you. But, um, if I think that's all I got for this episode, I'd really appreciate if you guys would go and leave a review on Apple podcasts. I think we only have 15 ratings. I mean, We've had almost 60,000 downloads this year and only 15 ratings. So if you could go to there, leave us five stars or not. But I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and a comment or maybe what your favorite episode is or what you want to hear next. But until next time, appreciate you guys listening to The Hunter's Advantage. Um, Thank you guys so much for the support. I'll see you in the next episode.